0: Welcome to the Charity Matters Podcast. Mr. Rogers' mother said, always look for the helpers. I'm Heidi Johnson, nonprofit founder, lifelong helper, and your host. I've been interviewing the helpers for a decade with my blog, and I'm so excited to finally be sharing these inspiring conversations with our new podcast. Join me as we learn the challenges and stories of innovators, entrepreneurs, and modern day heroes who set out to solve the problems of humanity. Today our guest is Sister Judy Vaughn, the founder of Alexandria House. I'm so excited to share her amazing journey and our inspiring conversation. Thank you, Mr. <laughs> Judy, for joining us today. I'm so excited to meet you and I'm so excited to learn more about Alexandria House and the beautiful work that you do there. I think that um, living in Los Angeles, you know, we have 30,000 nonprofits and we don't always know what's even happening in our backyard. So it's really nice to know, um, to get to know you and your story and then to learn a little bit more about the work you do there. So tell us, for those that are listening, what House well, Alexandria House does.
1: Alexandria House really as part of our mission has three things, Heidi. One is to be uh, a long-term shelter for single women and women with children who are homeless. Uh, We do participate in what's called the continuum of care, so we do some emergency work. We also have permanent supportive housing as part of Alexandria House. We have an apartment building. But um, the main focus in the two houses are to serve families who are really searching for ways to break out of being without a house and into their own place. So that's one of the things that we do. We're a long-term transitional residence program. About, I'd say, almost 85% of the women who come here are coming out of situations of domestic violence. We also have folks who have escaped trafficking. We work closely with CAST. Uh, and then it's every other reason why people are losing their housing these days. And with, of course, COVID-19, that's even escalated more. Even though they're not supposed to get evicted, it, practice doesn't always match uh, theory. So that's one of the things that we do. Uh, the second thing is we're a neighborhood center. We wanted to be, from our very beginning in 1996, part of the community. So we have an after-school program. It's really for about 35 kids. Right now, most of them were doing mentoring uh, with the kids in our program uh, right. through Zoom. But on a, a day prior to uh, when we needed to uh, close In person, some of the programs you'd find in the afternoons, about 35 kids, some of the kids in residence, but some of the children from the neighborhood that come K through five. We also have what used to be a really well-known thrift sale. Every second Saturday, people would line up in order to get in. We had to start giving numbers like Southwest Airlines. Wow. Um, But it was also a community-building time. Uh, was not only to do the thrift sale, but we'd have resources available. We'd have meals so folks could just meet their neighbors. So that's the second thing. And the third thing is it comes out in our awareness. We're just, we're really just the tip of the iceberg. We're the homeless capital of the United States and no way do we think Alexandria House is going to shift that, but we are a base for doing systemic change work. So we have uh, folks who have gone to Sacramento. We've had folks who testified in Washington DC. We participated in the poor people's campaign. We really are committed to changing systems that are keeping women and children living in poverty. So that's sort of who Alexandria House is. If I had to do it, in they're busy. <laughs> we're busy. And if they had to do it in an elevator, I'd say we're about um, really focusing on what is to make a difference, but also trying to be a demonstration of what many people now, especially after Representative uh, Lewis used the term, as did Martin Luther King, to be a demonstration of the beloved community.
0: Oh, I love that, sister. That's so beautiful, because it is a beloved community, and I don't think we get to see that often enough. I don't think we see the good. And that's one of the reasons we're having this conversation today, because I think the world is craving the good, and I think it's out there, and it's not being highlighted enough, and and I, it, it's it's in front of all of us, and we just have to choose to look at it, right, and yeah. Yeah. and to see it. And so, what I, was the moment? Oh, go ahead. No, I think
1: that's why people like us and come back because they have a glimpse. And, and right. maybe later on, if we have time, I, you know, I have from being here since the beginning, I'm one of the founding members. I live on site. I've been here since 1996, even before we opened our doors. I have lots of stories. But uh, definitely that glimpse of what is possible is what people experience when they come and want to come back. Because in these really trying times, uh, like you just said, Heidi, people are, are thirsty, are looking for something.
0: Right. It, absolutely. And and seeing good gives us all hope, right? It, seeing the best of ourselves, which obviously I'm sure you and all the sisters display, but just bringing people together and seeing everyone being kind and coming together to help one another, which is really why we're all here, right, is to help one another. Yes. So in 1996, I mean, what happened? Obviously, you live a life of service and you've taken a vow to serve, but you don't just start a nonprofit. That doesn't just happen. Something happens along the way that drives you to act in this way, and there's a series of things that typically happen. So tell me what, what happened leading up to 1996 that that births this incredible organization. Yes.
1: Well, I have to admit I've been just incredibly um, motivated and uh, really have a lot of sheroes in my life oh. who have really challenged me to understand more deeply what service looks like. Um, Like I said, I come out of a culturally Catholic family, you know, and and service has always been, as you said, a part of our tradition, those of us who connect with the Catholic tradition at its best. So, uh, and early on, I taught second and third grade, and then I went on to teach at Mount St. Mary's University. I was asked to go get a Ph.D., uh, which I did at the University of Chicago. And it was during that time there that I don't know, see, I'm getting older, <laughs> I don't know if you remember, <laughs> when the four church women were assassinated
0: in yes. El Salvador. Yes.
1: I think for many of us in religious communities, it really challenged us to look, look deeper at at what our call really demands. Um, at a great mentor, her name was Margie Toett who was a dominican sister uh who was also in chicago at the same time i was and we were sitting by the lake and she asked me one day judy do you want to be liberal or do you want to be radical and i had to look at that question for a minute but realized you know if anybody takes jesus seriously there can only be one answer and that is that we really we need to be radical in how we live our lives so I ended up resigning from the college and went to work at a place called House of Ruth in East L.A. It's still in existence. It I've was founded heard of House by of four sisters of St. Joseph of Grandelette. They're doing really well. Um, worked there uh, for about four or five years. Uh, my journey then took me because I belonged to a group, well, really sort of a non-group called Women of Conscience. We started to do civil disobedience Every month to try to stop U.S. intervention in Central America, ended up going to Nicaragua, worked in Chicago for a while. And then on a very hot day in Chicago, a good friend of mine said, do you know Immaculate Heart Community has a house that they want used uh, for women and children? I'm a third generation L.A. person. I love the city. I wanted to get back. My parents (laughs) were getting older. And I said, I want to use the house. (laughs) So, Called together, there were 13 of us who sat in a circle uh, in the living room at Alexandria House in what we call the greenhouse. Um, Most of us who were activists, who realized that the work for systemic change is very slow, sometimes disheartening, but we also wanted to act out of a base of women who could share with us out of their experiences what kind of change needs to happen. And so that's how Alexandria House was sort of born. It came out of long-term work in terms of systemic change work, and and uh, my experience at House of Ruth was life-changing, and we wanted to do more and do it deeper. And here were 13 of us uh, oh, wow. was out of the very beginning, uh, racial racially ethnically diverse also with different life experiences coming out of different economic backgrounds that really created what we hoped would do those three things that I said were our mission at the beginning so that was sort of a long story but a little bit of a path to get there
0: because I don't think people realize when you start a nonprofit, you're starting a business and like you're an entrepreneur, you know, you are an entrepreneur, you're a social justice warrior and you're a whole lot of things, but you're an entrepreneur also. And so when you start an organization, any organization, whether you're starting a company or you're starting a a nonprofit, an organization that serves humanity. You still have to have that core value, that core mission, that, that core idea of what it is that you're going to do and how you're going to do it. And there's a lot of things that have to happen to make that happen. It isn't just poof. It starts with an idea and an intention, but there's so much work that goes into this. And I think people don't realize the amount of work this is um, to care for people and to ask for money to fund that care. Yeah, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but just so you know, one of our most recent
1: programs that was sort of sparked by so many people who were losing their jobs that were had been the first hired and were right, uh, some of whom were our past residents, we just started a new program that we're so excited about called Startup Sisterhood L.A., where we're providing like a base or kind of somebody used the word incubator, but of of businesses for women who have a dream, have a vision, have an intention, but may need some of those skills or some of those awarenesses or even some seed money. It's our brand new program, and we're so excited about it. We've had two women complete it. We have seven doing it right now. What sometimes happens right. with folks who are homeless is there's just such a stereotype and it becomes their identity. And in so many ways, we always say homelessness is not an identity. It's simply a situation that anyone could find themselves in. And right. the women I've had an opportunity and a gift to live with are so uh, creative, so enterprising, so committed. Um, so I'm really excited about this program. And it's exactly what you just said, Heidi. It takes a vision, but it also takes hard work, which I find folks in our circle are really willing to do the hard work. And then it, it takes connections and it takes money and it takes resources. Yes. So thank all you for all of that those. Plug for, no, absolutely. Wonderful.
0: Because I mean, we're, we're all trying to do our best and everything that we do, but we end up, and especially coming out of homelessness, there's so many challenges. So what were some of the challenges that you faced early on, or what do you think some of the biggest challenges you have right now with Alexandria House?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, and it's, um, let's see, I was just, I'm struggling to figure out which one to put first. I, <laughs> I think doing part of this work is, uh, your heart will be broken. I had a very good friend who worked in Central America who said that's part of, of the understanding. Um, Margie Twit used to talk about the burden of knowing uh, or being willing to have your heart be broken, because there are so many things that make it so difficult for folks to really get out of a situation. Um So that's definitely that's really one is how you stay true to our commitment to be trauma-informed care, which is some of the you know words that are being used right now. Right. But that really means opening your heart and being as empathetic as possible, even though it's not your own experience, but really listening, listening to the pain and the grief and the heartache of others and being willing to share in that. So that's one piece of it. But the other is, There's just not enough resources and we see that over and over again. We get a thousand calls a month from folks who are not able to house here. And and then a thousand a month, a thousand a month. And then we start saying, well, call 211. Well, that, that doesn't work because the fact is, and I'm going to use the higher number, there's at least, there's at least 80,000 folks who are homeless on any one night in, in, in LA. There's 11,000 shelter beds. So how, in fact, wow. are you talking about, you know, stay hopeful? Right. There's not enough resources. People do everything right here and still can't find housing, even with a Section 8 voucher in their right. hands. Right. Uh, you have to make three times the amount of rent, not what mm-hmm. they pay in rent, but three times the rent. Our staff doesn't make three times the run. Right. You know, it's, it's just so sad. You have folks, women, courageous, who finally understand they have to get out of a situation of abuse, and then they don't have a police report, so they can't get in a DV shelter. Uh, not because DV shelters don't want to help, but there's not enough of them. And they can't get into a shelter that is, like, for homeless folks because maybe they're not safe and – so that's that's the most difficult. You know, I could say raising money but we've been incredibly blessed and we have a lot of miracles that have happened here. You know, being mm-hmm. featured in Justin Bieber and Quavo's intentions video. So if you haven't seen it, say <laughs> it's worth it. But, you know that that was a miracle. You know, right. the person who came in because he helped bring dinner and felt the spirit of the place those are miracles. So yes, we have a really dedicated development team that raises raises funds for us.
0: I mean, turning away a thousand yeah. families a month, I can't even imagine. And being the keeper of the pain, yeah. um, and letting it flow through you and not and not stay with you. I mean, those are. Those are incredibly enormous challenges.
1: challenges. So I, and the staff does it, Heidi. They do it. If you ask people what the hardest part of the job is, it's like answering the
0: phone when you know there just, oh, gonna there's just going to be not no much we can do. Space. Oh. So this work, as I say to everyone, this work that when we're serving people is so difficult. And, and the expression I use sometimes is the bucket is heavy. You know, at the end of the day, it's not like we are, um, you know, running a pencil factory where we're making things we have families that rely on the people who are relying on us and in your case for food and shelter and the most safety the most basic human needs and and it's really hard so when that bucket is heavy at the end of the day when you've had to turn away people or things have been difficult what fuels you to keep going
1: i have the privilege of living and working here, which I think is unique. And and just sidebar, one of the things that fuels me is one of God's great gifts to me was a daughter who came into my life when she was four days old. Um Ray definitely fuels
0: me. <laughs> so Aww. but
1: living here and and really seeing expressions of what we talked about before, that beloved community, women from very different backgrounds coming to understand that there's so much more that connects them than divides them, how they support each other. And then seeing women who have really been able to use this as a springboard to create a better and a safer and a more secure life for themselves and for their children. You know, I've been here all 26 years. I've seen young kids who took their first steps here, who now come back and volunteer. If, you know, I, it's, the bucket may be heavy, but I know I'm not carrying it by myself. And that's, that's amazing. And then, and then you see miracles happen. Um, We had a young woman who sit on our couch when she was 18, just having escaped from trafficking. And now she serves on, and she met, everybody was jealous because she met Michelle Obama as well as president then President Obama. She oh, wow. serves on the National Task Force on how to raise awareness around human trafficking. And she talked at wow. the Democratic National Convention, you know, about four or five years ago. You know, and this is just one. We have so many people who have been through the program who understand it from the inside out. That are committed to making it better for other people and that other folks may never have to go through what they've experienced. I mean, that fuels me every day. And it's not saying I don't get tired or I don't get cranky. <laughs> people say, you really got to go to bed earlier. You're a little cranky today, but I, it's, 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 a, it's an amazing place.
0: And I think those, and you uh, having 26 years, I think those are those moments of um, of grace. I don't think anyone I've ever interviewed says, "Oh well, I made a difference," or oh, "I did this." I, I've never heard that from someone who's part of founding an, a nonprofit. Never, um, but I do think it's those moments um, that we see grace, and that we see that in some crazy way that we've had a hand in changing someone's life. And and that somehow we were a tiny little cog in some bigger wheel and to see someone, you know, be on the national stage who's come through. I mean, not that you have to be on the national stage. You just seem to be independent and successful. You must have that happen all the time. And that and that is a gift. And that is a gift. Yeah. So impact is this word that everyone um It's a horrible and great word that I I struggle with because with nonprofits, people always want to know they want to invest or donate to an organization that they know is making a difference. They want to know that their dollars are going to a great place. And so we have these measurables, which are great in some ways. But when you measure um, how you've. Changed a life, how you've saved a family, how you've given a woman safety, or you've given someone job training skills, or when you measure that impact, I mean, it's there's no there's no proper measurement for that. But what would you say that your your impact's been in Alexandria House in all these years? Yeah, that's a really
1: great way you framed it, Heidi, because it is immeasurable. You know, when I just shared one story of one young woman. I could go down the list of how, and it comes back to us in, in words, you know, you saved my life. I I wouldn't be where I am without you all. And I have to say, you know, I get a lot of credit being the founding person and being the one and a half staff that started the place. But really, we have an incredible staff that are all committed to this mission. I think one of, but I know funders especially like to see, well, give us some numbers um, I think one of the outstanding ones given LA is uh, of the people that have moved through the program, um, 93% have remained in permanent housing. Wow. And that is really, uh, I had <laughs> it's huge. It's huge. And one of the people on staff was sitting next to somebody from the LA Homeless Services Authority, LASA. They said, no, that can't be right. And I thought, well, you know, I. I want to make sure it is because I don't want to be saying things that aren't. And, uh, so I went back and just double checked and, and, and and it really is amazing. Part of that is congratulations. It's, it's an understanding of interdependence. I had a funder say one time, well, you know, how do you make sure people don't become dependent on services? And, and I just, I looked for a while and I said, well, we don't look at, you know, independent Dependent because the reality is we're all independent, interdependent with each other. I so know. we have an Alexandria House alumni group. They, they meet every Saturday. Uh, people are invited to participate in it when they leave from here. Some people really want to just move on and, and have this be not an ongoing connection. And we respect that, but a I number know. of people want to stay connected. We have six people on staff who actually move through the program. Um, we have That's monthly perfect. donors who have moved through the program um, wow. but but i I think the impact then is is seen in such statistics as 93 percent of those who have moved from here remain in permanent housing because they know I know if I had an issue my parents are no longer living but I know my sisters would be there for us we all have or should have or or it would be a blessing to have a circle of people who you can go to for support, and that's right. that's who we are, and that's who we want to be.
0: Uh, and obviously, it's what you've been doing. I mean, those those statistics are are fantastic. So, if you could dream any dream for Alexandria House, because miracles, as you said, sister, do happen. You never know. You never knew Justin Bieber was going to show up. So I don't think that's your dream. But if you had any dream,
1: what would that be? I have to say, it was such a good event. It was so much fun. Uh, And if, if you haven't, for those who haven't seen the video, if for nothing else, just to see the joy and celebration and have a glimpse of who makes up our community, I would recommend
0: people see it. But all dream. Right, I'm going to look at it. Yes. The dream, yes. What What would your dream be? Well, you know, um, there's a
1: uh, a church not far from here called Oasis, and one time the the pastor there made the comment. You know, he was sort of lamenting all the work that had to be done, and a friend of his said, "But you're dreaming the dream. You're living the dream." So this is what we thought of back in 96 is this is what the vision was. So to continue the work we're doing, even as it grows because we have more people who come to us now is, is living the dream, but we do have a dream because um, housing is so difficult in LA. We're really working right now to purchase the apartment building behind this um, it, Great. it was the retirement home for the Immaculate Heart community, but a number of the women have been relocated and it's right behind us and it would provide 31 more units of permanent supportive housing. We have one apartment uh, building down the street at 16 units, but more and more we, we are finding folks having it such a hard time to find permanent housing and it would be a way to sort of solidify right on site that community and folks for whom this really has become family many folks who have been trafficked have had to uh kind of distance themselves in location especially um from from their from their families or, or have lost contact as well as uh people experiencing domestic violence often experience a separation or Young people coming out of foster care, that really it was not, it was a difficult experience. And they don't have that connection either right. with their foster guardians, parenting people, or, or with their own birth family. They're, we're really anxious to have those more units. So that's right. a dream. It's a dream. No, that's a good dream. And, it, that's, some, and it, someone I challenged me to stop saying "I'm." We're trying to.
0: They say, Judy, you have to drop the "trying." <laughs> <laughs> But I tried to get rid of the word if for my New Year's resolution and and how did you deal with, with that? Well, I'm try I'm I'm ha- it's only it's only March, sister, so I'm I'm working on when I'm working on replacing if with when. So with when this. you buy your apartment building and exactly when you, so yes. it, it's it's you have to stop yourself and just switch it and then re say it, but it is a process. But it is it I think it's helpful. I think it's helpful. Yes, yeah, so that's so,
1: definitely a dream, and then to keep you know, keep working on the systemic change piece because uh, we're hoping that providing a model gives people a glimpse of what is possible and some sense of direction for action Right, and the kinds of changes that need to happen.
0: It would be so great if other um, organizations could model what you're doing. I mean, it's a working model. It works. So you know, it's people always say, "Well, why don't you know our nonprofits are, are most of them uh, in our country are most of them are not national; we're community-based nonprofits, and that's what keeps them special because they're they take care of their community. And sometimes when things expand, they lose that that intimacy. But it's so, but it's always that question of when you see that you have something that works the growth is a blessing and a curse right so it it's it's a challenge because i think innately nonprofit founders i think the one of our the worst things about everyone that i've interviewed at least or almost all of them is that we're wired that we always want to serve more help more take care of more and the need will always be greater than we will ever be able to meet yeah. i mean that's just the sad reality regardless of you are what your organization does the need will always be greater.
1: And I think that's why that systemic change piece is so critical because in no way would we ever assume that we could solve solve it. It needs to be solved at a at a, at another level. But what I do know is that we give some possibilities about how this issue could be addressed and provide some opportunities for participating in working to make some change.
0: I think that that's fantastic. So do you have a motto or a phrase that you kind of live by or something that you that that you are a catchphrase or something that you like to say a lot?
1: Um. <laughs> <laughs> One that you can repeat? <laughs> I have a couple I mean, out I of, you know, like uh, the Catholic tradition and, but, um, a really important one for me is that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God and it's in Romans. And, um, I, I believe this so, so much. I have a tattoo. I'd love to say I have a tattoo on my shoulder. <laughs> it's faithful and it has the glimpse of, of our hands connected that there's nothing that can separate us. Um, it's a really important thing for me. Um, Because we all make mistakes in doing this work. One of my favorite songs is Saint is just a sinner who falls down and gets back up. That's from Donnie McClurkin. And I listen to that song often. So that definitely would be,
0: would be something that's really, really important. Love that. And I love that you have a tattoo, sister. I think that's so awesome. That's really great. I love that. I, I don't have a tattoo. I, I think that that's kind of super cool. Well, so and what? This oh, go ahead.
1: Is my second motto, I know we're probably running out of time, but when my daughter turned 18, um, uh, she called me and she said, mom, I, I got a tattoo for my birthday. Well, we had gotten one together before then, cause actually oh. we were three, but we had gotten one before. And, uh, you know, it can be a little pricey. And I, I went to say, Ray, you know, but then I had presence of mind to say I stopped myself and said, Well, Ray, what did you get? What and she said, Mom, I got uh and I always cry on this one, she says, I got DNA does not make a family. Love does.
0: Oh oh, you make me cry. (laughs) But
1: but I think I think those words have just really resonated with me. For years, but her articulation and believing it um to have it be a tattoo for her uh, really we need and and every faith tradition has an image of you know we're being all one family and and love as a connecting and and I think if we really took that seriously, really took that seriously, that at the core of our beings we are one, we are one family. Um we would find other ways to help people.
0: I I could not agree with that more. That that is that is a good tattoo. That is and that <laughs> and that is a beautiful, beautiful message. I, I it's interesting I've had um this week I, I interviewed someone in foster care the other day and I interviewed um, an adoption agency, a um, founder of an adoption agency that does grants for families that are trying to have children and families that are gay couples, that are biracial, that are that are that are not the typical, you know, once upon a time, you know, nineteen fifties version of Leave It to Be for Family. And uh and that's pretty much exactly the same um conversation that I've had that you're the third person this week um only one with a tattoo but the third one this week with the same saying that same message um that a family is not is not because of DNA it is because of love and i think that that is so powerful so i know you learn life lessons all the time and i know that you um i don't know but i would assume that you have I think the the insight and the perspective to see what they are, I think some, so many of us in nonprofit, we're so busy doing and serving that we don't always stop and reflect on what we've learned from this process, because from 1996 to now, there's been a lot of growth and there's been a lot of things that have happened in your life. But what do you think some of the key lessons that from this work that you've learned? Um, I, maybe just quickly,
1: I promise three. One is, um, I, I think as part of our mission statement, we're consciously anti-racist. I think as someone who grew up in Hancock Park for uh, much, my, many of my early years, um, having some economic stability um I I think for me, being at Alexandria House has saved my life in understanding how the isms operate to really keep people down, set people against each other. Uh, That's really been a life lesson. And, you know, my daughter happens to be African-American and to really see how embedded racism is in systems and structures and relationships has helped me personally. And I think it is really a key component of the work we do here, that everyone is welcomed around the table for who they are and what they can bring to, to this thing that we call earth. So that's, that's definitely been one. The other I already mentioned is um, the God's faithfulness. You know, I, you just have to be open to the reality of making mistakes and you keep going, which relates to the next one I've learned about resiliency. You know, I, I think often, you know, I'm pretty determined and I don't often give up. But when things seem overwhelming, I have seen examples throughout my life, not only here, but definitely here, of folks who don't give up and get up out of bed in the morning or do something else for their kids, do everything they can to ensure their kids feel safe and keep going. And I think that resiliency is, is really a challenge
0: and a life lesson for me. I think that that, and it's a skill that we all need. And, and I think it's a skill for a lot of people for the first time. I think COVID has presented a challenge. There's many people that haven't been faced with a challenge yet or a loss or or their life they've never seen this but we I think collectively as a planet uh people are experiencing the need for resiliency now more than ever and and it's a skill we all need we all need to strengthen right it's a muscle we have to all work on to keep going despite obstacles and to not give up I think that I know that with our um the organization that I that I run it's a skill that we're working on with our students all the time and it's to you know defining defining the setback what is it and then how do you feel about it what do you do with that emotion whether it's anger frustration sadness loneliness what do you do with that emotion and then how do you make a plan for the comeback because the comeback's always stronger than the setback and as we're teaching children this i'm like wow i need to be taking notes these are this is good stuff for for every human to listen to, right? We all need resiliency. So, how do you think you've changed? Who do you think you were in 1996 and who do you think you are today? Do you think you're the same person? Or do you think you've shifted from all of this?
1: Um, I definitely think I'm the same person. I I definitely think that with some of the same flaws and <laughs> some of the same struggles, but I just feel so much more enriched as a person and challenged as a person, you know, as a member of a religious community, we talk about living a life of simplicity and, and, and I don't even think I understood what that means until like living here at Alexandria house. Also, I've learned about what it means to be generous. I mean, some people, I get some credit for living and working here, but I have to say this. I say it often, this place, saved my life in some ways. Um, mm-hmm. because it enabled me to see who we're really called to be and what we need to do. And and the other thing because sometimes I <laughs> when folks can't find out I'm a Catholic nun and I also parent a daughter I have a daughter, I right. say Ray saved my life because I could be a little bit of a workaholic and <laughs> um and in fact, I was probably the oldest person at Chuck E. Cheese <laughs> uh, and loved it. She keeps, so,
0: you, she keeps you young.
1: She keeps me young and keeps me focused. And so, but so do the women that I live with here. So does the staff. I'm just incredibly, uh,
0: really, really blessed. And so, Well, I think that's a beautiful life. And I think that's a... Um, definitely an example and a message for all of us. I think being called what it means to be um, generous and see who we are and what we're called to do and how we're called to help each other in whatever way that is, being a mother, serving one another. I mean, all of those um, are gifts. And I think even to appreciate them is what they are as the gifts that they are. Uh, You can't have joy without gratitude. And I think that but um, you're a perfect example of that. So thank you for that. Tell me and tell all of us how we can support Alexandria House. Um, where can we find you? Where can we donate? How do we volunteer? How do we help you? All those good things. That's
1: Well, thank you. And thank you for kind of framing what I had said into into something that sounded really beautiful. Thank you. (laughs)
0: Um, You're welcome, but you said
1: it. (laughs) So anyway, we have a website. And I liked what you said because there's a million ways to be involved, which I think is one of the good things about us. Some people have a lot of time. We have something for you. If you have a little bit of time, we have something for you. Really, we we really just appreciate helping us grow our community. But you can find us through www.alexandriahouse.org. Uh, we used to do um, tea and tours with the house. We're not able to do that right now, but uh, we'd be happy if you make contact with us and see what your interests are. Right now we have a walkathon going to the end of the month. If you'd like to create a team or contribute to the team, I think the staff team is beating the board. So if you want that, to- <laughs> I don't want to make this timely because it'll probably be over with by the time the podcast shows. But we have uh, we have a number of events that happen. We have volunteer opportunities. Um, we. Uh, appreciate in kind donations that help us help those who live here kind of save money. So we usually have toiletry drives. Um that's helpful when people are moving and we actually have two families that are getting ready to move. We have a hope box. So really oh. we had a Girl Scout troop just donated a hundred boxes of cookies. We, We do some food distribution in the community and then partner with other organizations. So really what we'd love to hear from people is what their interests are and and what we can do to connect. Um, We also just hope people remember the dream that we mentioned. We really are going to purchase the apartment building behind us. Uh, We're probably gonna start a capital campaign fairly soon. So we have the funds to do that. So there's lots of ways to be involved. You have our website, www.alexandriahouse.org. We also are on Instagram, uh, Facebook. So you can find out what we're doing that might strike you. And, you know, one of the, you never know where, where it might lead. Uh, Michelle Riches, who's our development director, said she actually came when her son was, uh, very young. And she came in offering to water plants and answer the phone for a day and now she's a development director. So she always <laughs> says it's a slippery slope. Um I I wanna remember right now also a young woman, Naya Rivera, who uh was a cast member of Glee. She played Santana, she drowned tragically. Uh she was a volunteer here at mm. Alexandria House and um we did our walkathon in her memory. We've been in touch with her family, um, so we have volunteers from all walks of life. Oh, I love um, that. Some of our best volunteers come through, you know, the court system where you have to do community service, and some of our other best volunteers are folks who are just looking for a place to to do some work. And
0: and we're open and so oh, give I us love a call. That. <laughs> Come online. And I, and I think there are, um, there are so many people. I think people don't always, um, realize that they have a way to give. They may think, oh, things are tight right now, but they don't realize that they have all sorts of items in their garage or they have a little extra time or, or they're just looking for a place for a connection to do something and this resonates with them and they want to get involved and, or bring their friends or, and, and I think that, um, There's no greater gift than giving. There's nothing. There's no, to me, it's the most dangerous drug ever because it's addictive. Once you start, you can't stop um, because there's no better feeling than knowing that some Somehow you've done something to make someone else's life better.
1: And I want to give a shout out if I can to, you know, we did have a fire in the greenhouse. It was a year ago. It took us a while to be able to work through the insurance stuff to be able to get it repaired. So it's going to, it's in the process and we're going to reopen and get on our mailing list or get on our email list so we can let you know when the reopening will happen. But but our kitchen, our main kitchen was burnt and we weren't able to use it. And so we had, we had groups that would come in as a family or as a group to cook dinner and then sit down and have the meal. We're anxious to restart that. We can't do that yet, but, um, we've had what we called our top chef programs. People have brought dinner in not only for the families that are living here now, as well as for some folks in the community every night for an entire year. And that's, wow. that's been an amazing volunteer gift to us. Um, so that there's lots fantastic. of ways Trust
0: me. We, we'd love to hear from people. Well, I love that. And nothing makes me happier than connecting great people and great causes. And I'm hoping that everyone out there listening is going to be really excited and inspired by our conversation and, and find some place in their hearts to find a way to help somebody else because providing a home, providing safety, providing food, providing education. I mean, those are the basic our basic needs. And, and we have such need right now, especially in Los Angeles. Um, and so I'm so grateful to you and everyone at Alexandria house for the work that you do to help everyone in our community. And just be a reminder for all of us that we can all do something. It just doesn't take, it doesn't need to be huge. Any little thing makes a big difference for someone absolutely
1: and thank you for the work you do Heidi and for
0: these podcasts and I just wish you the very best and it was great to have the conversation thank you the the pleasure was all mine sister Judy you've given me lots to think about and maybe pray about and noodle about a tattoo (laughs) (laughs) you never know (laughs) you never know thank you thank you thank you thank you for listening to this week's episode of the charity matters podcast I really enjoyed talking to Sister Judy about what it takes to start a business that changes people's lives. I think her comment about witnessing resiliency in the human spirit was so inspiring and true. To learn more about modern day heroes like Sister Judy and entrepreneurs, or if you'd like to reach out to us, visit us at charity-matters.com or connect with us on Instagram at Charity Matters. If you enjoyed our conversation, we would love it if you shared this with your friends and family. Remember that together, we can make a difference, one small act of kindness at a time. See you next week.